This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I am speaking with Sean Radley, purveyor of all things at MTCX. There is something special happening right now with the sport of cycling in Montana. And Sean is a big reason why. Cyclocross, believe it or not, for everything I've told you so far about what it is, it is by far the most beginner friendly. You could come off the street with any bike and ride. He and his team were recently selected to host the 2023 and 2024 Pan American Cyclocross Championships. This is a giant deal for Montana, and I'm excited to learn more about it and Sean's other pursuits as well. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. So uh, tell us, where did you grow up? What did your parents do? Well, I grew up in Redmond, Washington, the bicycle capital of Washington State. And your parents? Parents, uh, Tom Radley, Jan Radley, um, grew up there, and my dad retired when he was 50 years old to lead bicycle tours. So he led bicycle tours, and this is when I was in fifth grade. And then as early as I can remember, he had me going on the tours, and I was a volunteer, and I worked and um, helped out and wanted to be just like just like my dad, pretty much. This either sounds like a non-retirement or a fantastic retirement, maybe both. You'll get a kick out of it, Justin. The group that he led tours for was Adventure Cycling. Oh, so very good. So there's the yeah, Missoula-Montana connection. Um, he found that group and then came on and he led some of the first Adventure Cycling tours that were more group, large-scale tours. Very good. So that was your entry point or your connection to Missoula. Is that what led you to study here at the University of Montana? That's right. Yep. That's what led me here. I got a job the first month of my freshman year. I lived in Jesse Hall and my dad said, I'm going to get you kind of a work study at that time at Adventure Cycling. And that was my first job. And then that was also my Missoula family. The employees at Adventure Cycling became my adopted family here. At what point in your studies, and maybe even before that, did you decide that you wanted to make cycling and all things cycling your life's work? I uh, decided I was in business school here and we were taking all the prerequisites and my favorite classes ended up being classes that were more business oriented, which caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. I thought that I would just do recreation management sure. and hang out outside and do forestry and it would be great. But where I learned the most and I was most engaged and got the best grades was in the business classes that made up the nature-based tourism degree. And it showed me that I could actually make a career out of biking. Yeah. And up until that point, remember my dad had retired and it was a retirement job. And I was like, that's a fun job, but that's not a career. Sure. And my family wanted more from me, had more expectations, be a lawyer or a doctor for lack of a better term. Sure. They wanted more from me. Sure. Did that take some selling back to your to your folks to say, hey, this is this is who I am. This is what I want to do. It did. And luckily, one thing that my dad taught me was if you're going to have a difficult conversation, you can speak from your heart and there's actually never anything wrong with that. Yeah. And in the end, by ripping the Band-Aid off and speaking truthfully, it will be better in the long run. And so I'll never forget the conversation we did have. It was on the phone and I called him 
from Jesse Hall, and I said that it's not going good. I don't know. I like my work in the business classes, and I like my work at Adventure Cycling, but these other classes I'm just not even going to. Mm. Um, I don't even care, and I'm I'm flunking out of them, and he was very frustrated and said, hey, I, you can't drop out of school. Yeah. He gave me his blessing to pursue recreation management and a career in, in cycling. And so at what stage did you transfer over to our cycling house and start working with those folks? Yeah, out of college, I worked for Adventure Cycling in Missoula. I was the office manager, and so I was the front of house person, and I learned a lot and made a lot of connections. Um, I also was putting on bicycle races at that time, and I met Owen Gu, who I know you've had on the on the pod. I met him, and we became really good friends. And the friendship is actually what carried us. He likes hiring friends and having that personal connection. So it was the connection on the bike um, and in the community that led Owen to say, when my business is big enough, I'm going to bring on someone who is an office manager, someone who can control the logistics. And that was me. And I was willing to work right next to Owen every day side by side sure. and do exactly what he told me to do and learn his way of doing business. He's a very hard worker, but also he has a customer service model that was no different than what my dad had and no different than what I actually personally believed in. Okay. And so Owen helped me shape that customer centric model. And it was super fun. I mean, we had a blast yeah. and he let me grow into that role. And at the same time, producing your own events, your own cycling races, getting involved in coaching, eventually opening up your own shop, MTCX. Fast forward us to the current day and the portfolio of activities you're involved in now. When I was at the university, we were able to start the cycling team here at the university. And that is what gave me other connections. Um, and then also working at Cycling House. And one of the things we needed to do as a, as a club of the university is we needed to raise some money. Yeah. And so we decided to start putting events on. And we put on Rolling Thunder to raise money for a trip to nationals. And that was, you know, I think we're in year 18 or something like that. And so that's what got me started in putting events. I put on Rolling Thunder as a fundraiser for the University of Montana cycling team. For listeners who don't know, describe what cyclocross is because it's, 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 a very, uh, it's a curious form of bike racing. Cyclocross is very similar to how a motocross event is run. You're on a circuit, a closed circuit. It's usually three kilometers in length and you do laps and it's relative competition to the people you're with. So you're just trying to win the race, beat the people that you're on the course with. Any surface goes really pavement, grass, dirt. You can kind of put the course on any surface. And yeah. that's why people just are like, well, what if it snows for rolling thunder? What Great. are you going to do? We're like, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, yeah, one of the better. Yeah. It's, it's actually Montana's a pretty good host for a cyclocross event. For a while it was at night. Is it still at night? Yeah. It's always been at night. Uh, the first ever rolling thunder, we brought out cars because we were in college. And so everybody just shined their lights on the course. Um, and it was at McCormick Park. Sure. Um, and now it's grown. We rent light towers and we have it at night. It's kind of the, it's the biggest 
bike race in Montana, okay. and it's the biggest cyclocross race in Montana. And then we get people from Washington and Oregon. Um, it's got a lot of traditions and history. And part of it is, since I've become a parent myself, is over the last 10 years, it's become very family friendly. Mm. So it's a good activity for kids and parents to do together. Yeah. We have a full weekend of racing of all these different abilities, all the way down to uh, two-year-olds on Strider bikes. There's a traveling axe trophy that goes to the best Montana finisher, male and female. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fun little traditions. Most of them live on when you're at the event. There's not like a place you go to and figure all this stuff out. And this is the sort of event that attracts top-level racers from the region, but also anybody who has a bike can just show up and, and get in one of the categories or, or bring their kids and get in one of the categories as you described. So this is sort of like a very accessible event as well. And cyclocross races aren't that long, less than an hour in most cases, right? Yes, less than an hour. It has turned into an event that anyone can come. Yeah. And some people come and watch as a fan, a parent in the morning for the kids race, have a coffee from black coffee or something hanging out. And then will race in four hours. Sure. They'll go home, get their commuter bike, get their mountain bike, and they'll be like, I think I can do this. Sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. You know, and I've seen it over and over and over again. And so it, it is the real entry level event for cyclocross and for biking, you yeah. know, for bike racing. Road racing it is not as popular anymore. Sure. Um, I'm in the business of promoting road racing. So for someone to say that, it just isn't. It's slightly more dangerous than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And then mountain bike racing is still popular at Marshall Mountain and other places. But even that is a high barrier to entry. You have to really know what you're doing to ride a mountain bike safely. And then yeah. think about racing a mountain bike. Sure. That's, that's high speed decisions. And so cyclocross, believe it or not, for everything I've told you so far about what it is, it is by far the most beginner friendly. Yeah. You could come off the street with any bike and ride. Yeah. And uh, watching that all unfold in real time is pretty exciting. It is. It's spectator friendly. So if the course is only three kilometers, you can see almost the whole course if you're standing in, a, in one location. So let's contrast an event like Rolling Thunder that is so accessible and family-friendly with this other really exciting event you have coming up in early November, the Pan American Cyclocross Championships, a UCI event. We'll talk about what the UCI is and what this means. This is an elite-level competition that you and your team were awarded the rights to produce the next two years. Um, one, tremendous honor. Congratulations. We want to make sure listeners understand what an honor that is. But talk about that event and why you thought that it was time for you and your, your team here in Montana to make a bid for it. Yeah, you hit a couple key points there uh, as you were explaining the event. The first one is that you don't get to choose to put these on. You submit an application and then 20 or 30 of the top promoters in the country, in this case, the continent, submit. And then you hope that they like what you submit. In most cases, you're hoping you've met someone on the selection committee at some point and, and they can say, you know, Missoula and that crew could do something like this. Takes a long time to get that. Mm -hmm. um, so you do get selected for two years, like you said, and we have been selected. 
the biggest question that I've gotten so far is how did we get selected? How did Missoula, Montana, what do they like about it? Sure. It's a long history and most of it started with the the intro that that you provided in this podcast and my history in in biking and bike racing and the connections that I've made. The Missoula XC, which is still at Marshall Mountain and had its biggest attendance ever this past year. Sure, and this is a bike mountain biking event. Yeah, this is a mountain bike race, but it is on that highest level of the sport. It is a UCI event. So the UCI knew who we were from the last 10 years of that event. UCI is like the international body that organizes cycling races. UCI is a French acronym, is that right? Correct, yes. And then USA Cycling, which is within that UCI, is no different than a... USA baseball, sure. Um, a USA triathlon, USA swimming, very similar. Um, the focus is the Olympics in many cases yep. and the Olympic team. And so they have these series of races that they want to be USA cycling sanctioned and UCI sanctioned so that people can train for the world championships, which happens every year, and the national championships mm-hmm. and making the Olympic team. And so back to this event. And uh, you and your team successful bid to bring this event here. And you mentioned the application process. What's involved in the application process? Explain that. Yeah. So it is a 10-page application, which I know for college students and professors is like nothing, right? I mean, people are writing huge papers. I'm not assigning 10-page <laughs> papers anymore. Good, you know. good. But uh, it's it's the application itself is not that difficult. It's like anything in life. The political capital and the sure. connections are much more difficult. So filling out the application, you simply need to have a course, provide a course map, provide a venue. Um, they do want to know the level of support you can garner in terms of sponsorship. They want to make sure you're financially solvent. Um, and they want to make sure that the airport is functional so sure. people can fly into here. You have hotels and Obviously, Missoula checks the boxes for all that. Right. But But much more than that. Much more than that. There's a lot of places that check these boxes. Yeah. We'll be back to our conversation with Sean Radley after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. This is Mike Morelli, Executive Director at MCT, and you are listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Sean Radley about cyclocross racing in Montana. So it's ever since Rolling Thunder, I tried to start selling the event, marketing the event, and selling myself as kind of like a cyclocross media person. Sure. I had a blog. I had these dreams of becoming a cycling media person. And since the sport wasn't that popular, it was really easy to navigate. So I got a couple articles in like Velo News and mm-hmm. Cycling News. And we got a little niche. We had pros race Rolling Thunder at night, and then they would write articles about it. And so that event got us a little bit of following. That event and community leaders here allowed us to get the Missoula XC and win the bid for the Missoula XC UCI race. And then I started becoming a hired announcer. And so I would go to USA Cycling sanctioned events and people would pay me to announce. And when I'm not announcing at the event, I'm walking around and meeting people. Sure. Then a local professional cyclocross rider moved to Missoula two years ago. His name is Caleb Swartz. Okay. 
He moved to town. He's in the top 10 in the U.S. for cyclocross racing. So he is, he's made the world's team before. He's a very good rider. He met with me and he said, I want to live here. I want to become part of our community. And I said, that'd be great. And what you're going to need to do is insert yourself into the community. The norm that I've come to really appreciate in this community is it's a very egalitarian culture when it comes to people getting into sport and doing their thing. We're sort of all on a level playing field and there's some world-class people that embrace that culture. And I, and I really appreciate that. For the Missoula XC, we had Sam Schultz and Andy Schultz, and we marketed them, and yep. they allowed us to get in here. With Cyclocross, Caleb has allowed us to market him. Great. And so the Pan American Championship, Cyclocross Championship last year, got canceled last minute. Hmm. And the UCI and USA Cycling were scrambling for a venue. They thought highly of Missoula, and they said, you know, we'll think about this, but you're second in line. And so we didn't get it. And so... Um, I got a phone call three months later and they said, will you apply for Pan Ams? We're encouraging you to apply sure, for the yeah. following year. This is a step in the right direction. And so that's what we did. And um, I got a call from this COPACI committee, which is the committee that runs the Pan Am selection. Um, and basically USA Cycling says they give a stamp of approval. They say Missoula is a good place for this. Then it goes to another world governing body and they say, then they decide between the finalists who should do it. And they decided that, that we would get the bid. And I have a lot of reasons in my own head of why that happened and why we can, but that's kind of the, those are kind of the facts of, yeah. of how that all worked out. Well, it's a huge deal. If folks want to come out and see some world-class racing, I mean, what can they expect at this event? Thankfully, in Missoula, it's a huge cycling town. And so we have created some local heroes in the junior ranks and yeah. the master's ranks. And so for the Pan Am Championship on November 4th and 5th, there will be age group racing. People like Ada Linton, who would race in the 13 and 14-year-old Pan Am Championship. Sure. And she's what, a freshman at Hellgate High School? Is yep. that right? She will be almost a main event here. She will have 50 to 100 fans on course, parents, friends, grandma yeah. and grandpa, and you can get behind her. You probably have a middle schooler or a high schooler who is in class with Ada. Um, Porter Melvin, he's another gentleman who's in that age group. Then we have Elsa Westenfelder, Gilly Millar, and Ellen Davis. They all race in either the 17 and 18 elite junior category or the U23 elite category. All of those three ladies are all within the top 20 right now nationally ranked. Wow. Yeah. And they live here. That yeah. mixed in with Caleb Swartz, who I mentioned is a local pro. He lives here. Mm -hmm. And so we can root for him. So every single race, you will have a local to root for. Sure. Every age group. A good example is someone like Jeff Bookwalter, who's a professor at the university Economics here. department here. Yep. Fantastic professor. He will be a contender for the podium in the 50 to 55 Pan Am category. Yeah. Same with Jeremy Lurgio, another professor here at the university. They will be someone who will be racing against the top 50 to 55-year-olds in the country. And you can come out and Jeremy will have his family out there. He'll have his colleagues out sure. there. And now maybe he'll have some other fans out there as well. Very good. That's what makes it fun. It's like watching your local heroes compete against the nation's best. So you mentioned a few of the prominent folks in the racing community here. 
So let's shift gears and, and talk about that community because something rather special and unique is, is is happening in the sport of cycling in Western Montana. And you sit right at the epicenter of it. You, you might even be the sort of linchpin of it all in many ways. But like, what is happening? Why why are bikes so special to so many people in this in this part of the state? The right mix of people have moved here over the last 15 years mm-hmm. and stayed here. And there's a healthy respect for professionals who work in cycling in Missoula, in Bozeman, in Helena, in all these towns. There's a healthy respect within colleagues for each other and a respect for what they add to the cycling community. Yeah. And so, you know, Justin, you don't get along with every colleague. Sure. And the number one thing when you don't get along is to shut that person out. No one is really doing that here. No one has said, hey, I'm just not going to talk to you ever again. And that has allowed for things to progress. It's easy to appreciate that, but you also have to do so knowing that these are folks that not only exist in competing businesses often in a small community, but often compete on race courses and have a deep history of battling on the race course, whether that can, you know, generate bad blood or goodwill over the years. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's this, this collaboration is happening within a very competitive group of people. That's right. And maybe even your business not succeeding yeah, in yeah. lieu of doing something like that. And I'll throw a couple names out there so that you can understand the scope of what I'm talking about. The owner of Owen House in Bozeman, Owen House, is Eric, and he started Montana Nike League with Sam Schultz. Sure. That's a juniors racing league. Yes. Yes. Huge. High school mountain biking league. He started that. He Mm -hmm. still runs that. He owns three separate shops in Bozeman, two Ace Hardwares. He does all that. So he's doing all that. He became friends with me and Sam, obviously, other people, right? And then you have someone like Meg Witcher who moves to town completely changes cycling and you can enter a cycling program, a Zootown Derailers program as a three-year-old. Yeah. And you know from having three-year-olds, what sports can you do as a three-year-old? You just can't. And Meg has offered that now. I think we're going on year 10 almost of that program. She actually started that with the help of MTB Missoula, our local nonprofit trail group. When I started my bike shop three years ago, I was already friends with people like Alex Gallego, Kevin over at Hellgate. They both own successful local bike shops, particularly Alex has been in business for a very long time and he's done a great job. You drive by the shop, it says building community one bike at a time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Someone like me, who's a new business owner who sees that written on a wall, that also means that he has an open door to someone like me which would be a competing business. Yeah. And so when I need a favor for the events or for a kid's program, we can put any difference aside from business and have a real honest conversation and help each other. And we can achieve some larger items that I cannot achieve on my own. Yeah, and, and maintaining a growth mindset helps with that. You know, create a rising tide. It creates opportunities for, for so many folks. And you think of the many goals that... Um, the folks in the mix have alignment on. Many folks might not think of cycling as the most accessible um, activity. You need a bike. 
bikes can be expensive. They can be ridiculously expensive. Some of the bikes I see kids riding around on in this community sort of blow my mind. How is the community doing things to get more kids opportunities to get on bikes? It started when, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people like Alex Gallego, people, um, businesses like Big Sky Bikes had all these programs, these exchange programs, which really got more bikes out there, honestly. Mm -hmm. Free cycles came about, and that was getting more people. Bob Giordano and his crew crushing it. And then what happened was people didn't necessarily get richer in Missoula. So it's just more bikes got in the market. Jeff Bookwalter worked with MTB Missoula this year to create a bike library for more of the middle school, high school. Now you're starting to see huge resources. And some of that stuff is not good business for bike shop owners, right? But then you have every bike shop owner who wants to do that and contribute to that. So last question for you here, Sean, is your relationship to the sport and and how you've dealt with that as your life has gotten more complicated with family, with aging, all the variables. There was a period of your life, I assume, when racing was very important. You still race your bike, but your ability to train and perform at the level you were at has declined to some degree. Talk about that transition in your life and how you've navigated it. I was never a pro athlete, so it does help a little bit. It it was who I was. It was my identity, but it wasn't, I didn't have to use it for making a living, thankfully. Sure. And, I, and, and I was able to find some other hobbies along the way and make other friends who have different perspectives than that. I actually find it incredibly important for me to race events. And I find it important for my own well-being and then also for the makeup of the cycling community progressing. And you are no different, Justin. You're in the category I'm talking about. If you see me at a race, giving it my best, and you know what I've been doing because we saw each other at middle school pickup, it is inspiring to people. Absolutely. In a different way. Yeah. You know, when you see Professor Bookwalter racing his bike and you know what he's done to get up to that point, it is inspiring. It's actually more relatable to people than Caleb Swartz is, who's a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. It just all helps, right? We're all just kind of people trying to do our best. And, you know, I didn't get into a position like this by being a professional athlete. I did it by just trying my best and trying to keep people organized and making connections. And so it's turned for me. Earlier in the year, I did the rut 20K running race and people were happy that I was there. Sure. And wow, I didn't even know you run. And I do run and I like running and I like all you people. We're all the same. Yeah, of course I get bummed about my lack of lack of fitness or my result here and there. But we're working towards something that is much, much bigger than me and much bigger than, than any of those small goals. And I can put that aside pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, well put. Well, Sean, it's been wonderful to sort of track your career and progression as a leader in this community and all the things you've done to promote uh, getting people on bikes and being healthy and getting out in the hills. Um, congratulations on these uh, two events coming up. Uh, remind listeners about Rolling Thunder and um, in the Pan Am Games. Rolling Thunder, October 28th and 29th from Big Sky Park, where Mavericks Field is. That is the anyone race ability weekend, age group, anything. 
And then the following weekend is the Pan American Cyclocross Championships in the same location, Maverick Stadium, Big Sky Park, which is county owned and operated. And that will be a great spectator event free of charge to come and watch. Sean Radley, thanks very much. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. Ella Hall is our production assistant. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music, and Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.